0: Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional, right? And the more unattached you are, these are things that just happen. They don't define you. They don't become who you are. You are not them. You're just the person who experiences things. And the worst thing that happens is nothing changes. But it's not good now. (laughs) Like, why would you stand in a fire and be like, you know, I really think I should get out of this fire, but I'm going to stay and get burned a little more. Like, okay, then I hope it gets worse for you so that you get out of the damn fire.
1: Hey, guys, if you missed out on the last conference in Nashville, Tennessee, you don't want to miss out on the next one. It's April 28th through May 3rd, Orlando, Florida, the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. You made a mistake missing the last one. You don't want that to happen again on this one. Five days of some of the best training you're ever going to experience packed into one event. We have an early bird special right now. $50 off. Use 24 early bird on our website, streetcop.com. Look for the conference. Click the link. Register today. If you want to get significantly better at this profession in five days, don't dare miss out on the 2024 Street Cop Conference. 111, be a street cop hey guys welcome to this episode of the street cop Trading podcast my host founder and ceo of street cop Trading. my name is dennis benino and we have with us today somebody whose name is interesting because of amanda what she teaches. yeah amanda <laughs> chills uh, which is probably the most appropriate name for somebody who does what you do but i appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to come on the podcast yeah. i think she was a little caught off guard that i was just gonna fucking start
0: <laughs> i mean listen i'm ready to party whenever like benefits of having a great nervous system that's well regulated is like we just we just vibe and it's good
1: that's how i feel as well
0: yeah
1: it's rare uh my nervous system was a little unregulated maybe <laughs> three weeks ago but i'm happy to yeah. report within the past seven days i have resumed back to my normal yeah. 72 bpm uh 120 over 70 blood pressure uh-huh. um so i am just a very calm very- human being <laughs>
0: Your primary care must be very happy with you. They're like these numbers. I
1: they're so happy they don't even have one.
0: <laughs> right. Well, not with those numbers. You don't need one.
1: So Amanda, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. And how so the I'm... fuck we ended up here together.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I will, I will meander down this with you. Um, so I'm a therapist and I work a lot with first responders. So I, a few years ago, I had a client come who is a paramedic. And they were like, you know, I just can't, like I keep having nightmares. Um, I don't I, I just keep having nightmares and I like I'm not functioning. So I'm like, oh, well, like, don't they have someone who helps you after you run, you know, bad calls, does like crisis debriefing, all those things. And they were like, uh, yeah, no, that's not a thing. And I was like, the fuck do you mean that's not a thing? Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? And she was like, no, it's like not a thing that they do. And I was like, well, that's fucking stupid. And I hate that. So it made me really mad. And I can like be mad about things or I can um, help. So I'm also someone who has a lot of initiating energy. So I was like, well, fuck that. I'll just fix it. So I contacted our like county first responders and I was like, Hey, your people are suffering. Like, this is not okay. I can help. And they were like, who are you? And I was like, someone who can help like come talk to me. And so I started working a ton with first responders and I just like adore them as human beings. So that's kind of how I found you. I was like, oh, like, let me let people let first responders know that like, One, it doesn't have to be this hard. Like the way that things have been doesn't have to be the way that things are. And um, we can just like eliminate and alleviate suffering that like can come with the job, but doesn't have to. So I found you and I was like, dope, let's party and vibe. Cause like, obviously you're talking to the right, perfect people. So here we are, partying in real life, have fun.
1: Tell me about you, where did you grow up? How did you get into therapy?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in Florida. Um, and I live in North Carolina now on a farm, which is like a total vibe. So I was just keeping my minis from biting a client because they're <laughs> the most chaotic little gremlins. Uh, we have one that likes to steal people's keys and I'm like, don't do that. We're working. And he's like, I don't care. Um, cause you know, he dig up. So I grew up in Florida and I initially wanted to train service dogs. Um, so my heart really belongs to like veterans and first responders. Cause I'm like, y'all give so much and end up getting, screwed a lot and I'm just like, that's not okay. This is that's not okay. So I wanted to train service dogs. And I went to a service dog training facility and it was super, super sterile. And I was like, ew, gross, this feels like a hospital. That's not my vibe. And then I found an equine, um, equine assisted therapy facility in Odessa, Florida, that works a lot with like McDill Air Force Base. Um and I was like, oh, I can be a therapist, which means I don't have to do organic chemistry um to do like physical therapy. So I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm gonna pass organic chemistry. Well, I would want to die. Um, So I was like, oh, I can do mental health, work with horses, work with veterans, heal trauma, like fucking sign me up. So did that, went to school, moved to North Carolina, and then I get to do it all day long. And it's dope AF. And we love that.
1: So you said earlier that you adore first responders. What do you adore about them?
0: One, their sense of humor is typically... (laughs) Uh, pretty dark. So I can vibe with that. I'm like, yeah, like you see really fucked up shit. So like if you, the one option is to laugh about it. One option is to cry about it and break down under the pressure. And that's obviously the worst, the not as good option. So one, I think people who run headfirst into serving others is incredible. Um, it's not work that I could do, but where I am very useful is in supporting and in clearing trauma. But the like the heart for service is so powerful. Um, the community is beautiful. Like really, it's the heart for service, and like being willing to dedicate a life, dedicate your life to truly serving others and like being um, being good in a crisis, if that makes sense. Like they're so it's so interesting because they're so regulated in so many ways. And then there's some areas where, like, because of the nature of the job, because of the way it, like, sits on their system and, like, gets, like, um, d- data comes into mind, that they're so good in, like, running into a fire or, like, dealing with someone who's incredibly escalated or dangerous, but then it causes problems in other areas. And, like, I really hate to see suffering, and I especially hate to see suffering for people that dedicate their lives to other people. And there aren't super great systems to support. Um So I'm like, okay, well, that's where I can be incredibly useful.
1: So what is your goal as a therapist when you speak with a client generally?
0: Um, To be as effective as I can is kind of like the broad intention and that they're happy and satisfied over time. So not only is there a shift immediately when I'm with them, but that it lasts over time. So really it's to alleviate suffering. And so the way that that happens is like, essentially it's like multi-level communication. So I'm not only talking to conscious, I'm talking to unconscious as well. So you've experienced, I'm sure, where people were like, oh, I know that this doesn't make sense. I know that what I'm doing isn't helpful. I know, blah, 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 blah. But then they're still doing the unhelpful thing. They're still like struggling in some area. And that's because unconscious has not gotten the message that conscious already knows. So it's like, people will know like, oh, I'll know that if I'm sitting in a restaurant with my family, There's no need to scan a crowd. There's no big need to be tense, to be bracing, which is something I see all the time. People will like unconsciously brace all the time because obviously at work, anything could happen at any moment. So it's very beneficial to brace. But off work, that causes a problem, right? So it's like a snake is coiled when there's actually a threat. But if a snake were coiled 24 seven, it would just starve to death. So that's not very useful. But people have trouble switching it off So really what what I do well and what I focus on is their ability to adapt to the environment. So when it's time to be on, bracing, ready, vigilant, then that's the useful thing to do. When it's not necessary, then it's not happening. So like, you know, pulling someone over, dealing with like someone who's escalated, running into a fire, going into a troublesome call, very useful to be very incredibly aware of your surroundings, ready for anything, thinking on the spot, all the things. But like when you're hanging out at a park with your family, like, not that useful. It actually just gets in the way of being present in your life. So I just want people to be present in their life and fully live it rather than being on like so burned out that they're on autopilot all the time.
1: How does a therapist speak to an unconscious brain??
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's a uh, very specific language that I use. Um, so there's some ways like, for example, um anything they experience, I'm shifting the language to create separation from it. So for example, I had a client that I was just working with and we were doing, um, some work around something that like a memory that came up for them when they were younger. And so most people will say, I, I was, I was doing this. And the goal is to create separation between that. So it's, they were, they were experiencing that. What were they experiencing? You have been experiencing X, Y, Z, or people will come and they'll say, I'm depressed. And the worst fucking thing I can say is, oh, you are depressed. Yes. You are so depressed. And it's like, oh, it's just like dumping chlorine into a, into a rose bush. Like it just makes no sense. So saying you've been experiencing what feels like depression. You've been experiencing anxiety. You've been experiencing racing thoughts. So it creates a lot of distance between what they're experiencing and what they have been identifying with. Because what we identify with, mind goes, oh, well, there's no work to do here. This is who we are, I'm not gonna change, which obviously that's not very helpful. If someone's like, oh, I just don't feel emotions ever. And it's like, "Mm, you do, they just get stored, they get shoved down, but humans are pressure cookers and it will release pressure whatever way it can. So language is a very specific thing. I do it through creating like a lot of connections. So obviously there's a lot of like making sure that I get what they're saying, not just what they're saying in words, but what they're really saying underneath it. So it's a lot of um, getting to the root of what's been happening for them. And then once that's understood, then I can create shifts. And then the clients like don't do the work, like the work is on me to create the shift. It's not like they're having to do this huge thing, like the work is on me to do. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, for sure. Are we, oh my god! Every time I have a therapist on, we go into the "Does that make sense?" and I start doing yeah. that as well. <laughs> well, so because i, I be heard,
0: yeah. right? Sometimes I'm explaining something, and people are like, "Why are you talking about cats?" And I'm like, "I'm talking about the Roman Empire," and they're like, "Well, that's not what land did." And I'm like, "Well, shit! I better talk about. I better make sure it's clear then."
1: What are some symptoms that a first responder may not know about or could be less obvious to that first responder that they may be? Experiencing and maybe not even experiencing consciously some of the things that are going through their body that are disrupting their limbic system and their their nervous yeah. system and and I can speak to this because I do meditate mm-hmm. and so it's interesting about yeah you know, what's interesting about meditation is as I begin to calm my body down you'd be surprised what you to recognize is how tense you are all the time so well, it's I've pretty well some
0: people are all the time or have been yeah
1: well even even for me who I believe I'm very very not tense. It's amazing yeah. how thought some thoughts will tense your body up immediately. So, I through my meditation practice will constantly scan my body to make sure I'm I am completely relaxed. And so this ha- this happens for me over and over again as I go through my practice. But I, it's it's interesting when you first start doing it to recognize it like oh my god, my butt cheeks are clenched all the fucking time.
0: <laughs> yeah. It sounds
1: so weird, but you don't even realize you're doing it.
0: Yeah. So what I see most often is that people brace, will brace 24-7. And because it's their normal, like if you grow up in a house that speaks Spanish, Spanish becomes the language that you speak, right? So if you have been bracing all the time, they don't even know that they're bracing all the time because there's no unbrace to um, compare to. So once people come down, then they're like, oh, Fuck. What is this? And then what happens is because mind has been programmed to be on high alert 24-7, when they come down, they'll typically ramp back up because the nervous system will come down, it will get red as unsafe in the mind, and then mind will say, mm that feels vulnerable. Nope, nope. I'm going to put the protection up. So people don't even realize how much they've been protecting because again, it makes sense to do when you're at work. It makes sense to do if you have a history of abuse, any of those things, which a lot of first responders have, but it doesn't make sense when there's no actual threat present. So people have been bracing and what happens is though, it's kind of like if you're sifting, um, if you like take a big filter and you sift a bunch of things, like obviously the bigger rocks are going to come through first and then the smaller rocks and the smaller rocks. So what comes through first is the big stuff. Oh, this call that I ran or this particular traumatic experience that I went through or this fight with my partner or X, Y, Z, this loss that I experienced. Um, So once those start to come through, other things will start popping up. So a lot of things that I see is that they've been tense all the time. Um, Nightmares is, you know, people obviously know when they're experiencing nightmares, but nightmares is something that comes through all the time. And sometimes will come through a little while after I start working with people because subconscious is finally bringing things to the surface to filter and work through. But if they're not working through it consciously, it will come through unconsciously. But the only time you're conscious is really offline is when you're asleep. So subconscious is like, oh, great. Time to work through these things. And then people are like, why am I having nightmares? And I'm like, well, we got to work through some trick consciously. That's why. Um, so nightmares is something not experiencing emotions is probably the thing that I see the most often, or they only experience anger. Like that's really the only emotion they can access. And the other ones are shut off. So like I had a client, for example, that was so shut off, they couldn't feel cold. Like it would be 30, 40 degrees and they're in short sleeves. And I'm like, are you cold? They're like, no, I don't feel anything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we have so much work to do. (laughs) That stresses me out. Um, So people will shut off. And then of course, if you don't experience any emotions, you experience no emotions, right? So people will shut off in order to protect from pain, grief, sadness, loss, but it's not like you pick and choose. Like you're, those people are shut off from everything, which really mm, makes you an observer of life rather than Someone who's like actively participating in life, which makes me really, really sad. Like, life is so good and it's meant to be experienced, not just observed.
1: I think maybe sometimes when people are in the mix of something very difficult, they may not appreciate life for how wonderful it is until that time subsides or passes oh. and they begin to appreciate life again. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and appreciation is a choice at all times, right? Like whether people believe they can handle all the emotions that come with an experience is separate from can they actually handle it? Of course, no one's going to die, right? Like the body always tends towards stabilization. So they won't literally die, but people feel like they're going to die. So mind goes, oh shit, I don't want to die. So I'm going to protect, which everything is in service of protection. So like, thank you, mind. But it's kind of like, If I'm scared of a little bird and I have a bazooka, like it's kind of overkill, right? It doesn't really make a ton of sense. So yes, of course it can be difficult. Like when you're going through a tough time to have appreciation, but appreciation is a choice. Like that's a choice that people make to notice things that are good, to notice things that are going well, where life doesn't feel like terrible. Um, because that's a choice people can make. And the more you look for something, the more you're going to see it. Like if you start thinking about buying a yellow Jeep, you're going to start seeing yellow Jeeps everywhere. But mind is programmed to find the negative because it's in protection mode. Oh, if I find the negative, then I can protect from it. But it actually typically ends up the other way around where people find the negative, look for the negative, find the negative, and then that's all they see because what we notice and appreciate expands. So, yeah, people can definitely experience appreciation, but it is like it's a skill and a choice.
1: Is trauma something that ever that ever goes away or is it just something that we learn to manage and what's the best tools for that either, you know, either to manage it in the beginning and get it yeah. to go away or yeah. or if, so it, if it resurfaces, right?
0: Not always, no. So can it go away or can it be managed? It can be both. It can go away and it can be managed. Obviously, I recommend just clearing it. Um, So this is where like the type of modality that I use is called rapid resolution therapy is very, very useful because it will clear the turmoil that had been experienced along with the memory of the traumatic experience. So when when we experience something, it's always like we're processing incoming data, right? So processor is unconscious so most of the data that we take in is unconscious which is why we can kind of like get a sense without consciously having a sense right if you walk walked down walked into a room and you're like mm, something's not right here like that's unconscious speaking so when a traumatic experience happens mind blows up the data because if you know Someone's holding a knife to me, the biggest threat is the knife and the person, so that's what I'm going to remember, not going to necessarily remember the color of their shoes. So that data becomes so big that it gets stuck, and we can just clear the data. So rapid resolution therapy, what it does is it clears the data. So it becomes something that happened, it's in the past, and because mind understands it's something that happened, that it's not happening it didn't just happen and it's not about to happen. There's nothing that needs to be done. So you've heard of flashbacks, of course. Okay. So when people experience flashbacks, they they often will say like, oh, I feel like I'm there because subconscious doesn't exist in time. It pulls things, trauma pulls things out of time. So mind thinks, oh shit, it's happening now. I better generate anger, fear, energy adrenaline in order to deal with a threat but there's no actual threat there right so so when I say yes trauma can be cleared what I mean is there is no somatic experience there is no unconscious experience it becomes something that happened it gets reintegrated into a timeline but there is no impulse or thought from mind that anything needs to happen now so let's let's say I experienced, a horrible car crash when I was 14 with a semi. And maybe for 10 years, every time I passed a semi, my mind was like, oh, dang, I better be careful around this semi. You know, I would get nervous around a semi, because mind understood that semi equal danger versus semi is just a car on the road, there's 100 cars on the road, it was a freak accident. So when you clear trauma, there's no somatic experience. I can drive by a semi. I can drive next to a semi. I can pass a semi on the highway. And there's it's just complete neutrality. Does that make, does that make sense? It's a lot of things at once. And then it can be managed via things like breath work, things like grounding techniques, things like mantras, um, things like anything that is going to call you into the present moment is very useful, but it has to be interesting enough to keep mind engaged but not so hard that it feels like a failure. So you've perhaps heard of like the grounding techniques where it's like five things you see and four things you can touch. Have you heard of that? No. Okay, so there's a very popular one that's like five, four, three, two, one. And now that I said it and you don't know it, I'm gonna probably mess one of them up. But it's like five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can smell. It calls in the senses, right? The purpose is that it grounds you in the present moment. For someone like me who gets bored easily, that doesn't really work well for my brain because I'm like, ah, boring. But so I like to do, one that's like five things I could steal and nobody would notice, which is interesting and engaging enough that my mind is like, oh, now we're playing a game. And if I'm playing a game, I'm not running from a bear. Because you would not be running from a bear being like, hmm, what can I steal in this forest that the bear wouldn't notice I was stealing. So anything that grounds you in the present moment is a useful way to manage because we want you to be reintegrated into the timeline. And the timeline obviously is the present moment. So that mind understands there's nothing that needs to be done because the threat is perceived, not real.
1: Part of my meditation practice is, and anybody can take this online if they'd like, uh, through her YouTube, her YouTube channels. It's uh, Emily Fletcher's Ziva Meditation. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we go into uh, the thing that, you're touching that feels the heaviest and the lightest thing. So essentially Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in a chair. I can feel the chair uh, Mm -hmm. on my back and my legs. And then maybe there's a a slight breeze in the room. So it's the, the most significant touch and the lightest touch sound. What's the loudest thing you're hearing? What's the thing you're hearing off in the distance? Uh, You know, so, and and what do you smell? What do you taste? And then we actually go into, what do you see? So you got to get, you got to, yeah, but with your eyes closed though. So you gotta start seeing things with your eyes closed. Typically, what I'd like to do is like roll my eyes back a little bit and try to put myself into more of a um relaxed state, because I think the human body essential or I think that we sleep with our eyes roll back in the back of our heads, isn't that correct? So I try to get there to try to go into a deep uh meditative state, mm-hmm. uh into the bliss field, which is hard to 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 get to. But then I then I start calling my mantra and trying to bring and my thoughts And
0: all yeah, keep your mind engaged. And they're interesting enough that you're engaged, which means if you're here, you're not over there, right? If you're here, you're not running from a bear. If you're meditating, mind understands that, like, there's no threat present, because otherwise, why the hell would you be meditating? That doesn't make any sense. So anything that calls you into the present moment, people can do it through pain, um, which is why people will often, like people who have experienced trauma will self-harm because pain is incredibly grounding, And it's also a pressure release, because if the only way that you experience emotions is through pain or anger, then mind is pretty smart. So it'll cause you to do those two things in order to release pressure. Uh, But there's obviously much more useful ways, like learning to feel emotions and to ride those waves versus avoiding them or shutting them down. But yeah, keeping mind engaged in the present moment is perfect.
1: So do you exclusively see first responders?
0: No, not exclusively. Um, I do have a fair amount of them and my practice sees a fair amount of them which is so fun, but I, um no, not only them.
1: Once you were discovered in the law enforcement community or first responder community,
0: mm.
1: how many people began to recognize that there was an available channel to go get some of this stuff worked uh, out and started calling you?
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, So I got hooked in with uh, 911 and EMS first and law enforcement was a little harder. I mean, you, you understand the community and, and I was coming in as an outsider. Right. So people were like "Ah, oh, feelings. No, thank you. Um, Outsider. No, thank you. So I was like, OK, you know, I like to think of it as like a fungus, like I'm going to grow on people over time, the more useful that I am. So I was just like, OK, well, let me be useful. And eventually they'll be like, oh, maybe she's not so bad. Um, So we had a lot at first. It was really interesting working within an organization because we could see it grow throughout the organization. So once we were useful for one person, they told one person, they told one person. And then of course it becomes a spider web. Um, But we get like a fair amount now and it's because we've been useful and effective. So it's like, if we were terrible, (laughs) nobody would call us, which I hope they wouldn't if we were bad. Um, But it's been a steady stream and it's been, Lovely to have more law enforcement because they were a little harder. Like their culture is just a little different. But now that they've opened up to having support and we do therapy in a very, very untraditional way. Like I'm not a traditional therapist where like I just sit in a field and listen. I'm like, if that's what you're looking for, like go talk, I don't know, go talk to a person in a the field. They're free. Like they're way cheaper than paying someone to just sit and listen to you. Because where I focus on is in clearing trauma and in skill building. So not only do I want to clear the trauma, I want to teach them to fire me which is the entire point of the process for me is like, eventually they fire me and they're like, cool, I don't need you anymore because I handle everything. And I'm like, yes, great. That's exactly what I want.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey guys, follow us on all social media platforms to include Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook group. We have so much information going out every single day and we don't want you to miss out on any of that stuff. So check it out, go give us a follow. What made you get into therapy? Because I always find that there's typically yeah. therapists have interesting backgrounds of what provoked them <laughs> to get into this.
0: Yeah. So when I, um, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to work with veterans, I looked into doing first, um, physical therapy, but I would have, I would have had to take organic chemistry. So I was like, ew, I'd rather eat bees than (laughs) than do organic chemistry. Um, but once I found the therapeutic writing center that do, I mean, they're an incredible program. They're called quantum leap They're and they're just outside of Tampa. They had a physical therapist on staff, an occupational therapist, um, a speech therapist, and mental health therapist. And I was like, um, please pay me to dig around in people's brains all day long and be nosy as heck and get like paid for it. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna do that and I'm gonna do it forever. So I like literally get paid to like dig around and well, maybe that's a bad analogy. I get paid to like untangle the spaghetti of people's brains and be like, here. It doesn't have to be spaghetti. It can be it can be neutral. You can just be neutral about most things that were used to be problematic and then totally engage in life in the way that you want to because now you're clear of all that old programming or all of those open tabs that were taking energy, but now they're no longer taking energy. So you can put your energy where you want to put it, which is doing whatever lights you up, which is amazing.
1: That's interesting.
0: <laughs> Thanks.
1: And so where do your typical uh, sessions occur? At your house?
0: Yeah, so I live on a farm um, and I do sessions out at the farm. So we've got like 11 horses and a bunch of goats that get out every day because they're bastards and two donkeys. And so we actually do them out at the farm, which has been, um, it was intentional, but it I didn't think it would be as helpful as it's been because we're outside literally sitting in a field. I tend to go in the field with the horses. So there's like something to look at. That's not just me in a room. Um, it's immediately um, disarming, like it disarms people. So they come, they sit, they're outside. It's a vibe. Um, there's interesting things to look at. There's an ebb and a flow. Like it just immediately brings people down. So all of us work out at the farm, which has been wonderful.
1: That's really cool. Mm -hmm. If we can give some exercises that people who may be experiencing something could work through like a breathing technique to calm their system down. sure. They're experiencing something traumatic in the moment. So basically like a organic Xanax without the Xanax.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's two separate things, right? So we'll do both. Um, One for people that are experiencing we'll just say like an escalated nervous system maybe is like the useful way to say that. And then we'll do, if it's okay, like something that seems very overwhelming in the moment. Um, I have found a useful definition of trauma to be something that overwhelms the ability to cope, even though people survive it. So there is some coping, but, you know, in a helpful way. So for people that are experiencing like an escalated nervous system, like they feel anxious, they feel activated, they feel like just up. One grounding, so putting attention and awareness on literally anything else, (laughs) like anything else would be useful than feeding that sensation. So I have told people to like eat sand, (laughs) like a little facetiously, I'm like, do whatever you have to do to come into the moment. Touch is one of the most useful and quickest ways to do that. Balance is another So I'll also have people because we want them out of their head and into their body in a grounded way. So I'll have people stand on one leg um, because it will force mind to focus on keeping balance, which means mind is interested and engaged versus wrapped up in that sensation. Um, So balancing can be quite useful. Eliciting some sort of pain response that won't actually hurt them long term is useful. Like they can pinch this little pressure point between their thumb and And first finger, they can hold an ice cube in their hand until it melts. Um, Another, if they're experiencing that, they can just take an inhale. Because if you're, so think about this somatically, right? If you're breathing slow and even, you're not running from a bear. And so mind understands that those two things cannot happen at once. So slow, even breathing, and on their exhale, thinking the word release. And mind understands that command to release anything that's not helpful. They don't even have to consciously think of anything. Mind will unconsciously release what's not helpful. So they can take a breath in. And on their exhale, think the word release. Or anything that's going to ground them in the present moment. Just if they're standing, like picking their toes up, standing on one leg, doing the pressure point, looking around and thinking, hmm, what can I steal? Five things that I can get out of here nobody would notice. Something that's going to keep mind engaged and grounded into their body. And also knowing that the sensation will release. So it's kind of like emotions are literally a wave. It'll come up, it'll peak, and it'll come down. It always, always, always comes down, eventually. Sometimes 30 seconds, sometimes 90, sometimes two minutes, but it always comes down. So there's no wave so big that it cannot be ridden. We're very, very good surfers in mind. Um, For something that in the moment feels very overwhelming mantras can be quite useful so saying repeating to mind like be here now it's much more useful to be present and clear than it is to be afraid not that fear isn't a natural response it's just not a helpful one because when we're afraid when we experience fear all the blood drains from our mind and goes into our legs so that we can run fast. Very, very useful if you're a zebra running from a lion. Definitely not useful if you need to think. So the mantra, be here now, I can handle this. Whatever phrase is going to give them power in the moment is going to be very useful. Be here now. I can handle this. um, This will pass. Anything that Cannot be um, denied. So something that's true. So where people get uh, in trouble with mantras is they'll they'll say things that aren't 100% true, which means subconscious will kick them out. So if they say I can handle this, yes, because their track record for surviving is 100%. So that becomes true, that becomes accepted and integrated. But if they say something like this will be easy and mind is like, well, that ain't going to be easy, then it doesn't work, right? So I can handle this. My track record for survival is 100% because I assume they're alive and not a ghost. That would be weird. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they're ghosts. The point is they're probably alive. So their track record for surviving is 100%. This will pass is a true statement. Anything that's true and feels useful. Does that make sense? I know. I asked it again. But I want to make sure that people it's understandable
1: for everyone. Yeah, I think it's important for us to uh, be able to delve out some of these useful tools we can use in the field or in our personal lives. For sure. I was like, the, I always like the idea that a therapist is seeing you with the intention of having you be fired later on.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's something I run into a lot with, with therapists, and one of the reasons I don't do it that way is because it doesn't make sense to me to keep a client for twenty years and not have them improve. It's like I—I I don't know, cool, I guess, but that's unsustainable. Um, I want people to improve. So, so what I discovered is that the more I teach, the faster people fire me, and the better I get at teaching, the faster people fire me. And you know, it's not like there's a shortage of people who need support, so that's not an issue. But like. Where I find that most therapists lack skill is in teaching. So therapists are actually only taught to listen, which is a huge problem. So like my entire grad school, so three years of training was how to listen. And none of it was how to teach. None of it. What am I supposed to do with that? (laughs) Like, So then people come and they talk about their problems and they say, what do I do with it? And I say, I don't know. I don't know, but I heard you. And then they walk away and they feel worse. And then they come back next week and they talk about their problems. They say, Well, what do you think I should do? And I say, I don't know, but I heard you. And then it's just that forever. Like, that doesn't, that makes no sense. So I learned to be a really good teacher because I want people to freaking never want to see me again. <laughs> like, I want them to be like, Amanda, thank you so much, but I hope I never see you again. And I'm like, God, me too. Great. Go, <laughs> go live a happy life.
1: I asked my therapist recently, I'm like, You know, her memory is impeccable because she has a lot of clients and, The details she remembers from a while ago is is, (laughs) it's it's interesting yeah so i said to her i mean what's it feel like to get this shit dumped onto you all the time all day every day is it exhausting she goes it could be exhausting but it's also rewarding to watch people uh get the tools they need to have an improved and better life and so for me it's very exciting the challenge of it to watch people get their lives back
0: literally and it doesn't get dumped on right like we develop boundaries just like people don't take everything from work home because you wouldn't be able to function like if cops took everything home they would not be able to function so you learn to leave things either where they are leave them at work leave them in your car leave them on the side of the road whatever but like it's like there's a table between you and i and everything you bring comes onto the table and we untangle spaghetti and we rearrange some things And we just, you know, set some things on fire just to get rid of it. And, but I don't keep it. It's not mine. I'm not, that would be, I would be way less effective if I were carrying all of everyone's things. So there's just a table between you and I, and everything is on the table. And when you leave, it stays on the table. And when I leave, it stays on the table. But it is like watching people, teaching people to get their lives back and to like engage in life again is... The funnest thing I could do.
1: What would you say to someone who knows they should start therapy, but is apprehensive <laughs> to take that first step? I, mean, I, think people, I think people get there like, yeah, you know what? I, like, what is that breaking point for most people? Like, I need to speak with somebody. Why wait, do they wait? That point.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, my politically correct answer is: as soon as you have the inkling, it's probably farther along than. Um, then like sooner would have been better. Like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Right. Second best time is today. My second thought is like, you can keep doing what you're doing and suffering forever. And like, you have that choice. It is your right to suffer forever. It just seems kind of stupid when like, you know, you do, you're uncomfortable for a few months, maybe a year, maybe two years, but then you're, you're happy. So it's like, you have the choice and the option and the right to suffer. And why would you keep eating a cake full of razor blades when you can put it down whenever you want? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So sometimes I think if I if I know of someone who's really suffering and they're being very stubborn about not reaching out, I honestly hope it gets worse so that then they're forced to get support. So not worse in terms of like they experience bodily harm, but I'm like, cool, I hope it sucks more for you. Because if that's what you need to finally change things, then I hope it sucks a little more. And if there's the inkling, it doesn't hurt to try. The worst thing that happens is nothing. Well, the worst thing that happens is it gets worse. But definitely don't go see someone who doesn't know how to teach things, because that just makes no sense. More likely, maybe it'll stay the same, but more likely than that, it will get better. So why be stubborn about your suffering? Like, it just makes no sense. Why?
1: To me, it's like I always use this analogy, and this is not per se, but there's always situations where I'm like, "Well, you're standing at a bar, and there's a pretty girl at the <laughs> other end of the bar." Yeah. Right. Like, and I think people can conclude, "What do you have? You have two options. Right. You can talk to her or not talk to her, and we know what happens when you don't talk to her. That's a that's right. a clear thing. Right. But We don't know what happens when you go to, and go and talk to her or him, whatever it may be, whoever, whatever yeah. you're interested in. So it's just that that thing where we always talk about." I use that analogy and I just default right to that barroom setting because I think people probably have the most difficult time speaking to the opposite sex as single human beings.
0: <laughs> if you're correlate
1: up. to that. It's a yeah. very, I think people can relate to that overall. I can see to my kids, my kids will get nervous around girls, uh, yeah. except for the second one. He is smooth as fucking ice, that <laughs> one.
0: Because he probably doesn't care. He's like, whatever happens, I'm unattached, which is one of the secrets, right? Is like, whatever happens to be unattached. Is like pain is inevitable, suffering is optional, right? And the more unattached you are, these are things that just happen. They don't define you, they don't become who you are. You are not them, you're just the person who experiences things. And the worst thing that happens is nothing changes, but it's not good now. (laughs) Like, why would you stand in a fire and be like, you know, I really think I should get out of this fire, but I'm going to stay and get burned a little more? Like, okay, then I hope it gets worse for you so that you get out of the damn fire. Like, hello, why? <laughs> just because it's the way you've done it doesn't mean it's the way it has to be done.
1: Go be Man, happy. It's, it's a shame that it takes people so much time that they can also often lose a lot of their life oh my gosh. sitting in that place of, I yeah. know what I need, but I'm just not going to do it because I'm scared. And and you know I, I can relate to the fact that it's very uh, stressful, mm-hmm. daunting, anywhere that you want to find a synonym to that to um maybe see somebody that you care about and try to get them to recognize the things that you are seeing but maybe they're just so far gone or in such trauma or such you know whatever you would like to call it that that the thought of it even cripples them more and they ignore it what do you say to somebody like that
0: that you can't save someone who's determined to drown in 3 inches of water right. what you can do is open a door and leave the door open and say i hope you walk through this door and you deserve to walk through this door and you don't have to stay there you can choose to stay there and people have a right to their suffering it is a choice if you take it from them you disempower them more that's not the goal but they don't have to stay there so what i like to think of it is planting seeds and i have a lot of clients who experience this because they experience the growth and then they see people in their lives who are suffering and they say what do i do how do i help them and i'm like well you can you can plant a vision And you can plant a dream and you can plant hope. And maybe it seeds and maybe it doesn't. But you can plant a lot of seeds and say, I hope this gets better for you. I hope you have the courage. Like I had clients literally bring friends because they are they don't know, they've never done therapy. They don't know what it's like. They're really nervous. And I say, bring them to a session. You know, well, obviously you share as much as you want. I'll be as effective as I can. Don't share anything you don't want them to know, whatever. But like then they get exposure and they say, oh, this isn't what I thought. Yeah, because we're sitting under under a tree in my yard playing with minis, mini, miniature horses. Like it's not, you know? So all, all people can do is open a door and plant a seed. It doesn't have to be this way, but they're the person who has to change it and people deserve a right to their suffering, even if it sucks to watch and it sucks to watch. But taking their suffering from them when that might be what they need to change does them no good.
1: Sometimes they think the suffering from themselves, huh?
0: Well, that's what a lot of it is, right? Like people who who are scared, who, you know, fear is a natural thing. Of course, it's not always useful. But yeah, a lot of times people build their own prisons in an effort to create safety. But too much safety is a prison. And that doesn't help anybody.
1: I can't tell you how many people I've given my therapist number to. (laughs) And, and some then, reach
0: out and some don't,
1: yeah. One one reached out thus far and well, everybody continues to have the excuses. And, you know, listen, <laughs> I have enough experience, I think, in life. And I think that I'm intelligent enough to recognize uh, patterns, symptoms, behaviors. And oftentimes <laughs> some of my friends are like, you know, I know what my vices are. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. But if, like, you have to understand I just asked you before what you would want out of life and the the behaviors that you're acting on mm-hmm. or engaging in are not going to result in what the thing that you want, that you've expressed is what you want.
0: And that's where there's a block, right? Is like, that's where conscious gets it and unconscious doesn't. So it's like, people will say, oh, I want a good relationship and they keep choosing bozos. And it's like, well, what you actually oh, want yeah. is the pattern because it feels comfortable and it feels safe as in it's nothing new. So they say they want good, happy, wonderful, healthy relationship. But what they choose is Bozo, Bozo the Clown, because there's a conflict between what they say they want and what they're, the deeper part that runs the show, unconscious, wants.
1: Yeah. I would also like to spray, sprinkle in impatience.
0: <laughs> yes. And as someone who I think my karmic lesson in this lifetime is patience, I'm incredibly impatient. But that's also why like, I just, I just do the thing that's helpful, because I want to get... Better feel better get what I want now. I always want what I want now. I'm very much a brat in that way. I'm like I want it now.
1: So you like, love Amazon. Uh, do you love Amazon?
0: <laughs> I don't like Jeff Bezos, but I do like Amazon. I love their. But don't wait. Hold on.
1: What don't you like about Jeff Bezos?
0: Oh, he could do a lot of good, and he chooses not to, and that's very frustrating to me.
1: Uh, I, I I would I would all I would say is I think anytime we we want to judge somebody about that we should offer Jeff Bezos an opportunity to explain himself
0: oh my god i would love to talk to him if anyone has a contact yeah. call her. it's your girl and <laughs> but like you're the person in charge of getting what you want right so it's like be impatient about that go be impatient about being the person in charge of getting what you want <laughs> so then it's like then people who don't get help because they're impatient actually just have more of the same problem they they don't get what they want but what do they want they want not to change they want to not do the work they want to not be uncomfortable so then they end up being uncomfortable forever. And it's just, it just makes no sense.
1: Isn't the world a very interesting place? And the reality is,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> is none of us are taught these things as children. I would, I would argue that. Yes. And by That's the way, who was going to teach him to you, but who was going to teach him to you, right? So I, yep. I had this conversation with, a, with a, a friend of mine from where I live now, and he's from the town that I grew up in next to it. And it's a, it's a little bit of a step down from the town that I grew up in. Yep. Uh, so we we're having conversation. I'm like, you know, the reality is, is like, can you think of one person who was in your childhood, in the towns we grew up in, like really embracing and preaching stoicism and thoughtfulness and
0: yeah, probably kindness
1: and behavior? No, like nobody. Yeah. And if you found one, who was it? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> you know, later on in life, I have found that it's it's so interesting to me that essentially it may be rare in somebody's life that they get somebody to to, to give them perspective, um, and 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 well, give them so- a
0: helpful perspective,
1: <laughs> right?
0: Because people give perspectives all the time, but sometimes right. they're terrible. Which is where like you come in, right? Sharing this wisdom, this knowledge, and saying, "Hey, you don't have to adopt this perspective if it makes sense to you. Try it on. If you like it, keep doing. And if you don't, whatever. Leave it on the table." But thank God for the internet.
1: I'm just going to say that you fucking took the words out of my mouth. You fucker. You just literally stole that from me. It was in my mind, literally going to say, thank God for the internet.
0: Listen, I have access to any information I want. And some people never look, which is another perspective mindset thing. Right. But I'm just like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like Everything is there. Anything you want to learn. Thank God for the internet. I was just in Cuba for a few days. Listen, the things that we have access to in the U.S., I don't want to hear anyone say how hard anything is ever again, ever. Like, oh, I can't do that because I don't know how. Hello, Google exists. (laughs) Like Google it, find someone smarter than you. Listen to a podcast, do something, do anything. You're not helpless, but so many people are taught they are. And it's just like, oh.
1: A lot of undoing, and it's got to be the right person who's willing to be undone, right? To to rebuild oh,
0: actually, them back. The and it's working through fears and perspectives and old programming, which is where we're saying the right thing in the right way at the right time.
1: I'm also going to throw in the variable of I, I think there there has, actually has to be intelligence as well, and so
0: intelligence just depends on what it is, right? I don't
1: Whether know, I just, know I if like I agree with that. Well. I don't know if I agree. I mean, I think there's different levels of intelligence, so.
0: For
1: sure, yeah. I have found, honestly, this may be crazy to say this, this is my personal experience, that I, I think that unintelligence or lack of the ability to understand something uh, also correlates with people who have very little emotional intelligence as well. So I see a lot of frustration with somebody. It's, it's wild. I mean, I, I could name, I mean, I wouldn't do that here publicly, but I could name five people that I know that are just, and I'm not saying there are independently, Emotionally unintelligent people who are actually super intelligent. Mm-hmm. I'm saying typically when I see somebody that I know who is unintelligent, and I mean like they're clearly not as smart as everybody else, and I don't mean that from a from a yeah, perspective like of right. of like special education. I'm saying just yeah, functional, but like just not getting things. They seem to be very offended by a lot of things that they don't understand, <laughs> and, and causes frustration. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that I think it's like when we look at things, we're like, "This is the mystery of the world." How do people not see it this way? When you're smart, right? How do people not understand what we're saying?
0: And so sometimes what I what I see is people can be too smart, and then they'll talk themselves into problems. And if people don't know how to mm, how to regulate how to calm their nervous system than anytime they run because confusion brings discomfort. And so people will typically run from discomfort, which means they run from confusion. And what they'll say is, I don't understand. And they may not, but it's because understanding would take perseverance, would take riding discomfort, or it would take shifting a perspective that has been protecting them that they grew up with that they don't want to unseek because oh now they don't know and not knowing is uncomfortable so you're exactly right that like not being good at emotional intelligence or not being good at um emotional embodiment the ability to feel and manage emotions creates stucknesses because they're not people Avoid anything that's uncomfortable. And what if it is uncomfortable is expanding their perspective, expanding their mindset, growing, changing things, then they'll say, well, I just don't understand. And it's not because they're stupid. It's because they don't know how to deal with discomfort. And sometimes people literally don't understand. Like there's things that I don't understand and I'm intelligent, right? Obviously.
1: Me, but, me and you both.
0: Right, yeah. There's like some things that I'm like, I do oh, what, what the fuck is nuclear physics? I don't know. But people will run from discomfort. That's a natural human tendency. And so instead of understanding and moving through the discomfort, not pushing through, moving through, they'll just avoid it. And so then ignorance, right? They say ignorance is bliss, but really ignorance feels safer. Not that it's bliss because it's pretty hard to work through life and not <laughs> understand anything. But it feels safer, and this is how people build a prison with the intention to build safety. And it's just not useful at all. Um, it's yeah. So you're exactly right. Emotional intelligence helps logical intelligence, and we do want both. People that are too logical tend to get themselves in trouble. People that are too emotional get themselves in trouble. We want the Goldilocks, the happy medium.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I think that as you're saying, this birds of a feather flock together, and so. <laughs> Yeah. That's what, that, what essentially that means is like, yeah, you find other people that enable like the, uh, that will enable the bullshit, shitty behavior that you're displaying and they'll well, go along with you.
0: because people don't like discomfort. Right. If I'm acting, if I'm acting in a bullshit way and you call me out and I'm like, you gross, why would you call me out? I'm just going to avoid you. Right. Because people avoid discomfort. So it's like learning to ride discomfort is like one of the most valuable tools people can learn hands down. Um I do want to tell you though, I do have to run in a couple minutes. Okay. So there was
1: All right. Last questions. Where can people find you? And do you have openings?
0: Openings. Um, yes. So kind of is the right word. So why I reached out is I'm actually in the process of building, and it'll launch in January, a program specifically for first responders for like emotional regulation and like literally clearing trauma. So it'll be both by topic. So let's say like they run a child fatality um they had someone they had someone die like things like that or by quote so it'll be like oh i'm 7 minutes into shift and i already want to like fucking bounce so specifically for first responders um they'll have access to me they'll have access to support coaches who are also trained who are first responders which is dope app i'm so freaking stoked about it and I
1: love
0: it. So, yes. So though it's going to be, listen, it is going to be so good. I'm like, mm, mm, mm. it feels like eating a revive. It's so exciting. And if they want to work with me personally, they can just, um, they can find me on Instagram, honestly, is probably the best way at Amanda underscore chills, C-H-I-L-S. So like when you get cold, but just a little, cause it's only one L. And the program is called Exhale and Release. So that can be found at exhaleandrelease.com. There's multiple tracks. They're going to want the first responder track. And it's like tailored to. um, So we love that for them. And we love that for them. That'll be very exciting. So that'll launch in January. So exhaleandrelease.com is going to be the best space.
1: Excellent. You give me a lot of good ideas too.
0: Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. If you like, listen, if you need anything, just holler.
1: I am gonna holler, you'll see.
0: Okay. Ooh, exciting, fun. Yeah, Go dude, do your thank thing. you so much. Like this was so lovely.
1: Cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Bye, Amanda. Hi. Hey, guys, check out our upcoming training at StreetCop.com. Don't forget, we have 50 instructors nationally teaching a variety of topics. These are the best classes you're going to experience in your career. We make sure of it. You're going to love it. I guarantee you you're going to be thankful that you went. Check us out at StreetCop.com for all upcoming classes in your area.